can, can we just pray together? Because this, when, when we go to the Word, I, I might have something in my heart that I want to share, but so often somebody will come to me and say, Jesse, I, I received this from what you were speaking. I said, oh man, that's not what I was wanting to communicate, but I'm so glad that God speaks. And so I want to encourage you that this is not a spectator sport, but this is a participatory getting in the Word of God and letting it come alive in your hearts. Amen? Father, we pray that your word would come alive in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we do not close off when it comes time to talk. But Jesus, we open up and we can even say an amen if we agree with something, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would have an environment in here that welcomes the word of God to transform and change our lives. Father, we ask that you would be in this meeting, Father God. We ask that as we go to your word, we would get hungry for your word, Jesus. Lord, we need our daily bread. And Lord, bread is served today, Father. Let us partake of the bread. It says that the children of Israel had to go and pick up the manna. They had to gather it. You can have the word just sitting there, but if you don't gather it, it won't come into you. So Jesus, we pray that we would be gatherers. We would be actively going after the word this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome. Welcome back to Bruce and Jeanette. Very good to have you guys back. I'm so excited for them to be back. I am just, uh, I really, really am. Um, I was thinking about uh, just church and, and my journey through church at different times. And Angie and I were just thinking back to some of the different churches that we went to. And we were kind of reminiscing about some of the past this weekend. And I remember when I first came to New Zealand when I was 10 years old, and I've probably told the story before, but I remember going into, we, we ended up going to Masterton Community Church. And in the States, um, it, it was at the time, it's not as much now, but it was, it was much more appropriate or proper to wear your best attire. So I, I was a 10-year-old walking in with a three-piece suit. I was looking sharp. So you guys look very good this morning. I looked a little bit better. I had a, the three-piece suit going on. And I remember my, my sister had a dress, and my brother had a three-piece suit, but he couldn't ever dress himself very well, so there was parts of his three-piece suit that were, the tie was hanging over here. And, um, and, and my mom was dressed up. And I remember going into Masterton Community Church. And I also remember the looks that we got when we went into Masterton Community Church. I have... Um, one, a very good friend of mine, he's still a very good friend of mine today. He lives in Auckland, and he has, an, has all these girls, and he's just such a great dad. But his favorite memory is that day when, we, when I was 10 years old, and he was 10, years, 10 or 11 years old. And he, every time I catch up with him, that's one of the first things he always likes to bring up. He said, Jesse, remember when you came to church? You guys had a suit and tie on? And he'll, he'll tell my wife, and even though he's already told her before, he likes to tell her again because it was just so momentous for him. And, and it would have been hard to forget myself because I also had really, really big glasses. My eyesight is horrible and my eyes were just big old eyes and my big old glasses. And, and I just remember going into the, 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 the class that they have and, and they were asking questions about the Bible. And, and I just happened to answer the questions. I'd raised in a Christian school and so I knew the Bible pretty well. And, um, and, and I would answer pretty simple questions. And the kids were looking at me like I had a PhD in theology. And I, w- I was just so confused as to, like, it was kind of like, you know, who killed Goliath? It was David. And they looked at me just like, who are you? And, but can I tell you something about that as we're thinking about, at the time, I really wish that instead of that three-piece suit, I would have had the, the latest version of Nikes on 
and just uh, some, some, other, some other threads that would, would have not have singled me out as much. And I also wish that um, contacts would have been more evolved back then and I could have had a pair of contacts. And I also wish that instead of knowing all this information about the Bible, that, that I knew more about whatever cool people know about. I don't know what they know about, but I wish I knew more of it. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you wish you had something different or you wish that you were something different or that what about what you're supposed to be, but you're not that, so you kind of get stuck saying, I'm not sure that I can be that. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. We're going to be looking at the life of Paul. We've been in this journey of looking at different people in the Bible and their journeys and seeing how has God used them, how has he formed who they are. So we're looking at the life of Paul, and Bruce Billington's going to share with us next week. Um, I, I haven't shared all of my notes with him, so hopefully, Bruce, I don't take all of your stuff. Uh, but he'll be sharing with us, which I'm so grateful he's back as well to share with us. But I want to look at the life of Paul this morning. And I want to look at this idea that God uses who we are. That God uses who we are, not who we think we should be, and not who we wish we were. That might seem, that might seem maybe basic, but I've seen a lot of people stuck in wishing they were something else. God can't use who you're not. He can only use who you are. So we're going to look at the life of Paul. The first, the first thing, and this is, this is kind of where the, this message kind of dawned on me, was this idea that Paul was crazy. Does, can, can anybody affirm that they feel that Paul is a little bit crazy? Because he, he is a little bit crazy. Angie's told me not to use the word psycho. But he, he is ferocious. He was relentless. He was focused. He was violent. He was intense. We're going to look at his story, but we want to look at Paul through the lens of his passion, Paul's passion. We are introduced to Paul, also known as Saul, and we meet him at an execution. We all know the story probably that where, where Saul turns up and we see him approving of the execution of Stephen. And he's sitting there and he's given the nod to this execution. He's saying, yep, this is a good thing. This Christian has just been stoned. He's heretical. He needs to have died. And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. Saul was ravaging the church, and he was entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. I looked up the word ravage because it helps me to understand a little bit more what was, what was Saul actually doing to the church. And the word ravage means to cause severe and extensive damage to. Paul was causing severe and extensive damage to the church. This guy was not content with just having, he he, he wasn't just going to see Stephen executed. He went into house after house after house to commit these Christians to prison. He is intense. He's ferocious. And then it says, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Paul isn't content with one city. He makes every single believer, every single member of the way flee the entire city of Jerusalem where it says only the apostles were left. 
He's not satisfied with getting rid of everyone in one city. He's going on to the next city and the next. But Paul encounters Jesus. And Jen was, Jen was referencing um, the sermon from Encounter Night about enough. Some of you might say, I didn't, I didn't hear that about enough. That, that was the, so we're talking about that God is more than enough. That he is the God of more than enough. And I think an encounter with Jesus changes everything. And that he is enough. He is enough for whatever the brokenness that you've gone through, whatever the gaps that you have, he is enough. And an encounter with Jesus changes everything. One of the things that we want to encourage here is to stop and to take time, regardless of what's happening, regardless if you think it's done perfectly or not, in the church and outside of the church, to find God because he's there to be found and he's enough for whatever you're going through. But Paul encounters Jesus and it changes everything. And you know the story, he gets blinded and he falls off his horse and uh, or maybe it's a donkey, it doesn't say, but he falls off of something. And, and there's a word that I wanted to, to share, and this is going to be a word for yourself later, but Ananias gets, gets uh, a vision from the Lord, and he says, go to Paul, and, and he doesn't want any part of Paul because Paul's this crazy dude that's trying to kill Christians. But, but God convinces him to go, and he says this. He says, tell Paul this, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. An encounter with Jesus changes everything. This guy who is ferocious, who is voracious, who is not going to stop at trying to take down the church, in one encounter with Jesus, his mission is exactly the opposite as to what it had been. He is now that same ferocious, passionate guy going after the kingdom. And this is what it says. It says, immediately he proclaimed Jesus. Paul didn't waste any time in going after this new mandate of having encountered Jesus. Paul spends a year in Antioch, and he, and he learns a little bit about teaching, and he goes with Barnabas, and he's teaching the church, and then the Holy Spirit sets them apart and sends them out for the work that they've been called. And I want to talk a little bit about Paul going out and the things that he did, but You'll see up on the screen, I have something called Paul's predicament that I'm not going to talk about yet. But I think this predicament is so important to keep in mind. As, as you're going to see, I'm going to tell the story of Paul and tell some of the things that he did. And then we're going to look at the predicament of what he had. And I hope that you're really encouraged that most of us have this predicament. I'm going to talk about the predicament later. But most of us have this. Most of us have this, and predicament means difficult situation, this conflict. I'm going to talk about the conflict that Paul has and the conflict that Paul wrestles with. But I want to show you his story first. And I'm going to, I'll explain later. So Paul has what I call his first major encounter. His first, maybe not encounter, but his first major opposition so he goes to Cyprus, and they're proclaiming the gospel in the synagogues. And they, they come across the proconsul Sergius Paulus and Elemus, the magician who opposed them. And I love this. It says, filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul looked intently at him. And he said, and this, this is where, like, I wish that I had somebody that could beatbox next to me or drop a rap track. Because Paul is tearing this guy up. He, his language is 
is just intense. He says, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? One of the things and one of the ideas that I want to look at today is what is the idea that you have of what a good Christian should be? What is the box that you've put Christianity into? I think Paul probably broke every box that was ever created about religion. The guy was crazy. And he carried his craziness pre-Jesus and post-Jesus. God wants to use who you are, not who you think you should be. I think a lot of men in the church specifically, you come and you look at this expression of church and you say, maybe this is not for me. But I want to tell you that worship is one of the most powerful warrior things you can possibly do. A real man can worship passionately because at the heart of the father is a warrior God, a God that is passionate, a God that goes after and fights for his kids, fights for his family. I want to encourage you that Paul is one passionate man. I see in the church so many times people that are so skilled at what they do and they come into the church and they say, I don't know what to do for God. I don't know how to offer myself to God. I don't know what he wants to do with me. And they're like in the boardroom cutting deals and like going for it. And they come to church and say, oh, I don't know. Can I tell you that God wants to use you for who you are, where you are right now with the people that you currently have in front of you? God wants to use who you are, not who you think you should be, not who you want to be. And I believe he wants to transform you, but he can use you right now. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. I want to look at this equation. Paul's Paul's passion plus the Holy Spirit equals the proconsul coming to the Lord. Who Paul is plus the Holy Spirit equals the results of God moving. Are you bringing who you are before God? Do you have... And this is something that has continued to come to me in prayer time and in my conversations with folks is the two realities of life that I think often many of us are living in right now. We have a church world reality where we see the rules in church and how we're supposed to behave. And then we have our real world reality, how we actually respond to things, what we actually believe. Our faith is tested when we actually come into real world examples. We can declare his faith in here, but I want us to be declaring and walking out his faith out there. I I used an example last encounter night of talking about my own faith and that I had been stuck in, and and Aaron, and they had such a powerful time on Friday night and I got to go along. But I was talking about this idea that I, um, we were wanting people to share their faith and we were talking about, and Aaron was asking me, Jesse, how did you share your faith when you were that age? And I said, man, I could barely survive by myself, much less trying to share my faith. You know, I tried to ignore people when they'd look at me, you know, like don't, don't, I, I wanted to, to be something. I want to ask you today and challenge your perspective. What are you doing with what God has given you? He can use you who you are right now. From Murray to Roy to Matt to, he uses us where we are. And that's, that's the, the message that's on my heart is that Paul was this crazy dude before he met Jesus. And he was this crazy dude after he met Jesus. And it was his craziness that God used significantly. 
I'm going to unpack some of this. We cannot put on a religious front anymore. We cannot have this idea of what we think Christianity is. God wants to use you for who you are. And he wants to transform you into the image of Christ. But we cannot get that mixed up with thinking that it's this little box and this is who we are. Whoever you currently are is who he wants to use right now. Our battles are not of flesh and blood, but of principalities and strongholds. One of the things that I did look at this transition of, from Paul after this encounter with Jesus is, is what he's fighting for. And I think the church has lost their identity in knowing what they're fighting for. I know that I have a little bit of passion in me. And I know that there, there's sometimes the passion has been directed in the wrong places. And I would submit to you that we can get confused that when we come into the church world, we think that our identity is taken from us and we're not sure how to outwork that. I want to suggest to you that in the spiritual realm is a great place to outwork a lot of the intensity if you're someone that carries a punch to, your, uh, to, to, to who you are. Our battles are not of flesh and blood. One of the big transitions of Paul is where he took his fight to in the spiritual realm. My hope this morning is that we catch a sound that we stop playing any of the games that we've been playing and we face the reality of who we are so that God can actually use us. Paul's people. The Jews start to reject his message. But he gets a word saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles and to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Paul's boldness gets results. The thing that I want you to see is who Paul was before and what made him so successful at going against the church is the very thing that made him so successful for the church. His insatiability to do what he was after was the same. I see so many people that lose their identity when you come to God and you don't know who you're supposed to be. Don't lose who you are, who God's created you to be. This is a little bit of a twist from we came from Jacob to Israel where he had to make that transition to become Israel. This is me talking about that raw material of who Jacob really was. It wasn't the deceiver, but this is saying, who has God put in you to be? Don't lose that. Don't become this idea of what you think a good Christian should be. Because Paul's people, there's a whole people group, a huge portion of the world that most of us can be included in that are benefiting from Paul's passion and his boldness. There's a people group that is waiting to receive what you have as long as you are embracing who God has called you to be. There is a people group that is missing out on you as long as you're still trying to be someone else that you think you should be or you're wishing you were someone else. Can I tell you that I wouldn't be able to preach the word if I hadn't started learning the word from an early age? If I had the sweet Nike kicks and I didn't have my three-piece suit, I might not be sitting here and able to outwork the thing that I feel God has birthed in, in me is to share his word. What I had wished I was different wasn't helping anyone, but I see how God has worked that. Who God has created you to be, and, and here's the thing that I want to give you, that is significant. Sharing the word is great, but what you're doing is significant. It is significant who God has called you to be, for what he has called for you to do but not someone else, not what you think you should be, but for who you are. 
There's a people group that are waiting to rejoice and to glorify the Lord and to be appointed to eternal life. And can I encourage you? Don't let the news that Aaron shared with you be a really nice story. There's 15 people that came into the knowledge of who Jesus is and that are going to experience everlasting life with him. Because of a ministry birthed from the heart of a guy that is so passionate to see youth own their faith. That is exciting to me. That is someone owning who they are. Let us celebrate those things. Paul's boldness gets results. And then the Jews stirred up persecution against Paul and they stoned him. And they dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. But I love this. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and he entered the city. The next day he went on to Derbe. Paul's powerful resolve in the face of opposition is the thing that gets him through what he needs to do. I love that he gets stoned and they think that he's dead. He's so messed up. And he gets up, he goes back into the city, and the next day he carries on with his mission. This guy that was ferocious, this guy that was, that was driven, that was passionate, that was violent, is able to do what God has called him to do because he was connected to who he was. Powerful resolve. I, I, I printed out a list, but then it was just too long. But I, I looked at all of the things that Paul had to endure, from imprisonment to beatings to lashings to, to ridicule to shipwreck to, to being stuck at sea. The guy had to go through everything. I don't imagine someone that was mild and meek of heart and doesn't like the outdoors would be able to have navigated what Paul did. I want us to be encouraged this morning that our faith is waiting for us to be walked out Monday through Friday, not inside the walls of the church. I want us to be burning with the passion to see God using us every single day in every single interaction. This is a a wonderful time to come and get encouraged, and I hope you do. If you don't, I want you to go and do you out in the world. This is what we're so encouraging of right now in this season. And and this is far too oversimplistic. And I could have called the message this this morning. Is you do you. I went to an African-American church. And that was one of the, the things that they were really pushing. You do you. That has reverberated in my spirit for so long. Because I see a group of people that are not connected to the power and the passion of who Jesus is. I've not, and, and they've disconnected themselves. And they actually live in, a, in another reality. Like the reality that I lived when I was in high school. I loved Jesus. I had such a great job in my youth group. And when I went to school, I was like, nobody asked me questions. All right, cool. I made it to my next class. I'm safe. What I wanted to encourage, if I can do anything, is to unlock who has God called you to be this morning. Paul's pursuit. His pursuit of freedom. Some men were teaching, unless you are circumcised, you can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. I love every single interaction that we see with Paul. He is fighting with people. I love this. I love that he's breaking the mold of what we think a Christian is. I love that he's being who God called him to be. I love that he was unapologetic about who he is called to be. One of the things that Bruce always says, he loves that my children are cantankerous. I can't stand that they're cantankerous, but he says, I'd rather someone that can engage and that can push the boundaries and see what they're doing. I'm wanting to give us permission this morning. In your life, be cantankerous for Jesus. 
be crazy for Jesus. There's not things that are going to be shifted if we, we're singing this morning, spirit break out. Do you actually want to see him break out or do you want him to be contained in your life? What I'm saying is there has to be action that follows him breaking out. There has to be a lifestyle that's consistent with him breaking out. There has to be a pushing of the boundaries and a connecting with who God's called you to be. There can't be a sitting around frustrated who you want to be. There's not sitting here confused because you think you should be this. Who has God called you to be? Because he can use you. I love that Paul's fighting with everybody. Later defending the position to the apostles, and they concluded that the, and this is what the group of apostles concluded about the Gentiles, is they're wanting to make them all get circumcised, and I can understand why they would not want that. The Holy Spirit, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to lay this burden on the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles heard of it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Paul's relentless pursuit of freedom is very reminiscent of his relentless pursuit his relentless pursuit of trying to imprison people. And I'm, I'm going into, I'm leading into this idea of what this predicament is. And, and Paul is no respecter of persons. Later when Peter, who's, who God said, I'm going to build my church on this rock, came to Antioch, Paul says this, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Paul is, he's intense. I don't, and, and it even says, I love in the Bible, it says, and Paul looked intently at them when he was talking. Can you imagine being in a room with Paul? This is intense. Can I also say that if any of you got a resume for Paul to come and be a part of your church, you'd probably say, thank you so much. We really appreciate the offer, but we're not very, um, there's actually no further openings right now. That position has already been filled. Or you you have a Paul that wants to be the new home group leader. Oh, appreciate you, brother Paul. Appreciate that God has done a mighty work in you. Paul's going to be your next missions coordinator. Oh, no thank you. But this guy who was once bound up in fervent religiosity is fighting for freedom. This is Paul's predicament. I want to give to you what I, what I believe Paul's predicament is. It's the burden of his past. Paul's predicament is the burden of his past. And I'm going to give it to you in Paul's own words. First, First Corinthians 15.9 says this. I am the least of the apostles. I am unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I want us to just even stop for half a second. And I want us to fill in the gaps for what is that for you? Why are you unworthy? Why are you the least of these? Because why? What has disqualified you from walking out who you are? We see the burden, Paul's predicament, the difficult situation that he's in is that he was the least of these. What we, we all agree, right, that Paul's pretty crazy. Can we all agree that we would have rejected his resume had it come in the church mail for him to be part of a home group leader? We've disqualified Paul. And I think we've done so rightly. The guy was crazy. He was, he was intense. But here's where I'm going with this. Paul's predicament. He says, I am the least of these. I am unworthy to be called an apostle because I did this. Can I submit to you that every single person in here can fill in those gaps? 
that you're the least of these because you probably did some stuff that you shouldn't have done or you've, you've, you've been in positions that you wish you wouldn't have been put in. You're probably unworthy because of a lot of really, really legitimate answers. And you probably have a lot of things that you could talk about because this, this, and this. But I love this. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I love that. By the grace of God, I am what I am. If, if I was God, I'm so glad that I'm not. I would have taken Paul and I would have changed who he was. Like, you're this crazy dude. You need to be nice and sit in the corner and like worship Jesus pleasantly and quietly. Can I tell you that I think that's what our, our viewpoint of most Christians is and when we get them saved? I'm wondering, if do we not have more people coming in because our message is getting them saved to a church lifestyle and not calling them into a destiny where God can outwork who he is in their lives with the same passion that they outworked it beforehand? I've had a passion on my heart for a long time of watching people that are outworking what I believe is God-given purpose and call in their lives that are not walking in the church and have never met Jesus. There are people fighting for agendas that I would disagree with that I think are in the middle of doing what God has called them to do. They just haven't had that encounter with Jesus yet. I think it is our role to be living out who God has called us to be, to be authentically, I am what I am. But do you know, I am what I am without God is a hot mess of crazy like Paul was. But Paul, Paul plus the Holy Spirit is where results come. It's Paul plus the grace of God. It's not saying you have to stick it out and be, you are what you are, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. I love that, that his grace towards you, not who you want to be, not who you think you're going to be, but his grace towards you is not in vain. If you take notes, write this thing down. It might be useful. The things that you think disqualified you could very well be the thing that God wants to use. The thing that you think disqualified you could very well be the thing that God wants to use. I want to share a story that I I saw recently. It's about a girl named Sarah Kovac, and she has something that I can't pronounce, a a disease, but um, she's unable to use um, her, her hands, and so she has to use her feet. And she said this, I always wanted God to use me. I would pray, God, use me for something awesome. You know, I played the trumpet. Here's this. I like to write. Here's this. And I was hoping that maybe someday I would be a famous musician or writer. And I'm not. I'm a writer, but I wouldn't say I'm famous. But I found that the one thing that I really didn't want to show anybody and the one thing that I would like to pretend isn't there was the one thing that he wanted to use and open the door to all the rest of that stuff. I didn't want to talk about my disability. I wanted to pretend like it wasn't there because it was ugly. He led me to a place where it was uncomfortable for me. I would have been totally comfortable being a famous musician, but that's not what he wanted for me. I would have been totally comfortable being fly as I walked into Masterton Community Church. I would have been totally comfortable not having glasses my whole life. I would have been totally comfortable not knowing the things of God at different stages of my life because it would have been easier for me. But can I encourage you? One of the things that has bound us from being authentically us is because we feel it's unsafe. 
But we have the grace of God that covers that safety. We have to be a people that are bold after what God has uniquely and authentically created you to do and to be. And if you're searching, and I've heard so many people, um, as we, if we've been in the conversation on purpose, wondering, well, what, what, where should I go? I want you to look at who are you? Where are your strengths? Where are, your, where are the things that you naturally do? Now start putting in a strategy to implement that with the people in your life. If God has called you to be bold, start going to be bold with your friends. If he's called you to be whatever it is, start practically putting that into place, who you are. You can authentically be who you are, not who you think you should be. Your role is absolutely significant. Paul's predicament is he has this word spoken over him. As soon as he erratically encounters Jesus, you are a chosen instrument of mine. You are a chosen instrument of mine. The chosen instrument is not the people up the front. I hope that I'm a chosen instrument. I hope I'm doing what God wants me to do. But can I tell you that each of us are a chosen instrument of God. The chosen instrument is not this idealistic thing that you might have in your mind. The chosen instrument is you as you are right now. God wants to use you. His grace towards you is not in vain. And by his grace, you are what you are. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Why, why do you think it, for me, I mean, you probably know, but I don't know if we dig deep enough. Why in school was it so hard for me to, to outwork my faith and share the gospel with my peers? I think it's because, can we be secure in who God's actually made us to be? Can you be bold enough to do what God has called you to do? Can we stop looking at the situations that we might not resonate with or that we might not connect with and say, actually, I can find God here. I can be authentically me. The thing that I have is there's no longer any excuses for you not to be doing you. That God, the word of the Lord this morning is God has called you to be significant. If you do not know what that looks like, get with it. When we talked about it at the start of this year, that wasn't just for fun because we want to find cool things to talk about. Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy's find a Paul that is calling out in you the things who you are supposed to do and to be. Stop guessing by yourself, but get with people that can call that out of you. Be proactive in the thing that we're going after right now. My heart is a light. Because I think that if there was, and I've said it before, if there was one person in here, I would hope that I would preach with the same ferocity and the same passion. And I see how many people are in here. I have a passion for you to start engaging your, your communities for Jesus. I have a passion for people to start experiencing the life of Jesus. Can you stir that passion in yourself Add the grace of God to the mix. Be authentically who you are, and we're going to see results. We're going to see more results like 15 people coming to the Lord. We're going to see more results like that. Can I tell you, what are you passionate and hungry for? Authentically be who God has called you to be. Remember his grace. When you add the Holy Spirit, I I love when it says, no, you can't just be who you are. And you know when Paul was like, in essence, yelling at, at the magician? It says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He wasn't just going off on his own. The Holy Spirit is, and as I was preparing for the message, I, that was the main thing that kept coming back to me, is the sense of you authentically are enough. 
but you have to add the Holy Spirit. Can I encourage you this morning to grasp hold of what does that mean for your life? What does that look like? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you can use people like Paul as we see the phenomenal things that he did. We see he wrote most of the New Testament, Jesus. We see how many people came to freedom through him. Paul was one crazy guy. Jesus, I pray that we would have a new sense. I pray that you would help us to redefine what it is that you're actually asking from us. Lord, the cutesy Christian thing that's been done in the past, I pray that you would do away with. Lord, we're asking that there would not be religion, Father, but that we'd have the Father's heart. Lord, I pray those that are crazy, Father, I pray that you would release them to be crazy, Jesus, to be passionate, to be ferocious. Father, those that are gentle, release them to be gentle. But Father, I speak for an anointing and a mantle to fall on this place and this people, to have safety in your grace, Jesus that we can be bold for who you're calling us to be because there's safety in your grace. Jesus, a lot of passion in our hearts to stop going through any motions. Father, we want to see transformation in this city. We want to see transformation in our families. We want to see transformation in our workplaces. Lord, release your people to be authentically who they are. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Bless you heaps. I think... um, we better follow Dave's instructions and try and get out there as quickly as possible. I encourage you all to join in. If you brought something or not, come and eat with us as we come together. We just bless you. Have a great week.